0: Section Thirty Seven of A Popular History of France, Volume Five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume Five by François Guizot, translated by Robert Black. Chapter Forty Two, Louis the Thirteenth, Richelieu, and Literature, Part Four. Many attempts have been made to fathom the causes of the cardinal's animosity to the Cid. It was a Spanish peace, and represented in a favourable light the traditional enemies of France and of Richelieu. It was all in honour of the duel which the cardinal had prosecuted with such rigorous justice. It depicted a king simple, patriarchal, genial in the exercise of his power, contrary to all the views cherished by the minister touching royal majesty. All these reasons might have contributed to his wrath, but there was something more personal and petty in its bitterness in tacit disdain for the work that had been entrusted to him corneille had abandoned richelieu's pieces he had retired to rouen far away from the court he had only his successes to set against the perfidious insinuations of his rivals the triumph of the cid seemed to the resentful spirit of a neglected and irritated patron a sort of insult therewith was mingled a certain shade of author's jealousy richelieu saw in the fame of corneille the success of a rebel egged on by base and malicious influences he attempted to crush him as he had crushed the house of austria and the huguenots the cabal of bad taste enlisted to a man in this new war scuddery was standard-bearer astounded that such fantastic beauties should have seduced knowledge as well as ignorance and the court as well as the cid and conjuring decent folks to suspend judgment for a while, and not condemn without a hearing, Sophonese, César, Cléopâtre, Hercule, Marianne, Cléomedon, and so many other illustrious heroes who had charmed them on the stage. Cornet might have been satisfied, his adversaries themselves recognized his great popularity and success. A singular mixture of haughtiness and timidity, of vigorous imagination and simplicity of judgment it was by his triumphs that cornet had become informed of his talents but when once aware he had accepted the conviction thereof as that of those truths which one does not arrive at by one's self absolutely he had accepted the conviction thereof as that of those truths which one does not arrive at by one's self absolutely without explanation without modification i know my worth and well believe men's read of it i have no need of leagues to make myself admired few voices may be raised for me but none is hired to swell the applause my just ambition sinks no clack nor out of holes and corners hunts the hireling pack upon the boards quite self-supported mount my plays and every one is free to censure or to praise there though no friends expound their views or preach my cause it hath been many a time my lot to win applause there, pleased with the success my modest merit won, With brilliant critics laws I seek to dazzle none. To court and people both I give the same delight, Mine own partisans the verses that I write. To them alone I owe the credit of my pen. To my own self alone the fame I win of men. And if, when rivals meet, I claim equality, Methinks I do no wrong to whosoe'er it be. End quote. Quote, let him rise on the wings of composition said la bruyere and he is not below augustus pompey Nicodemus, sertorius he is a king and a great king he is a politician he is a philosopher modest and bashful in what concerns himself when it has nothing to do with his works and his talents corneille who does not disdain to receive a pension from cardinal richelieu or in writing to scuddery to call him quote, your master and mine end quote, becomes quite another creature when he defends his genius quote, leaving full oft the earth soon as he leaves the goal with lofty flight he soars into the upper air looks down on envious men and smiles at their despair end quote. The contest was becoming fierce and bitter. Much was written for and against the Cid. The public remained faithful to it, the cardinal determined to submit it to the judgment of the academy, thus exacting from that body an act of complacence towards himself as well as an act of independence and authority in the teeth of predominant opinion. At his instigation Scuddery wrote to the academy to make them the judges in the dispute. the cardinal's desire was plain to see says pelisson but the most judicious amongst that body testified a great deal of repugnance to this design they said that the academy which was only in its cradle ought not to incur odium by a judgment which might perhaps displease both parties and which could not fail to cause umbrage to one at least that is to say to a great part of france that they were scarcely tolerated from the mere fancy which prevailed that they pretended to some authority over the french tongue what would be the case if they proved to have exercised it in respect of a work which had pleased the majority and won the approbation of the people m corneille did not ask for this judgment and by the statutes of the academy they could only sit in judgment upon a work with the consent and at the entreaty of the author corneille did not facilitate the task of the academicians he excused himself modestly protesting that such occupation was not worthy of such a body that a mere piece or un did not deserve their judgment at length under pressure from m de boisrobert who gave him pretty plainly to understand what was his master's desire this answer slipped from him the gentlemen of the academy can do as they please since you write me word that my lord would like to see their judgment and it would divert his eminence i have nothing further to say these expressions were taken as a formal consent and as the academy still excused themselves quote, let those gentlemen know said the cardinal at last that i desire it and that i shall love them as they love me quote. there was nothing for it but to obey whilst boisrobert was amusing his master by representing before him a parody of the cid played by his lackeys and scullions the academy was at work drawing up their sentiments respecting the cid thrice submitted to the cardinal who thrice sent it back with some strong remarks appended the judgment of the academicians did not succeed in satisfying the minister what was wanted was the complaisance of submission what was obtained was only that of gratitude i know quite well says that his eminence would have wished to have the Cid more roughly handled, if he had not been adroitly made to understand that a judge must not speak like a party to a suit, and that in proportion as he showed passion he would lose authority. Balzac, still in retirement at his country place, made no mistake as to the state of mind either in the academy or in the world when he wrote to Scuddery, who had sent him his observations sur le Cid. Quote, Reflect, sir, that all France take sides with M. Corneille, and that there is not one perhaps of the judges with whom it is rumoured that you have come to an agreement who has not praised that which you desire him to condemn so that though your arguments were incontrovertible and your adversary should acquiesce therein he would still have the wherewith to give himself glorious consolation for the loss of his case and be able to tell you that it is something more to have delighted a whole kingdom than to have written a piece according to regulation this being so i doubt that the gentlemen of the academy will find themselves much hampered in delivering a judgment on your case and that on the one hand your arguments will stagger them whilst on the other the public approbation will keep them in check you have the best of it in the closet he has the advantage on the stage if the cid be guilty it is of a crime which has met with reward if he be punished it will be after having triumphed if plato must banish him from his republic he must crown him with flowers whilst banishing him and not treat him worse than he formerly treated homer the sentiment de l'académie at last saw the light in the month of december sixteen thirty seven and as chaplain had foreseen they did not completely satisfy either the cardinal or Scudery. in spite of the thanks which the latter considered himself bound to express to that body or corneille who testified bitter displeasure quote, The Academy proceeds against me with so much violence, and employs so supreme an authority to close my mouth, that all the satisfaction I have is to think that this famous production, at which so many fine intellects have been working for six months, may no doubt be esteemed the opinion of the French Academy, but will probably not be the opinion of the rest of Paris. I wrote the Cid for my diversion and that of decent folks who like comedy. All the favour that the opinion of the Academy can hope for is to make as much way. At any rate, I have had my account settled before them, and I am not at all sure that they can wait for theirs. Quote. Corneille did not care to carry his resentment higher than the Academy. At the end of December, 1637, when writing to Bois-Robert a letter of thanks for getting him his pension, which he calls, quote, the liberalities of my lord, quote, he adds, quote, as you advise me not to reply to the sentiment de l'académie, seeing what personages are concerned therein, there is no need of interpreters to understand that. I am somewhat more of this world than Heliodorus was, who preferred to lose his bishopric rather than his book, and I prefer my master's good graces to all the reputations on earth. I shall be mum, then, not from disdain, but from respect." The great Corneille made no further defence, he had become a servitor again. But the public, less docile, persisted in their opinion. In vain against the Cid a minister makes league all Paris, gazing on Chimene, thinks with Rodrigue. In vain to censure her the Academy aspires, the stubborn populace revolts, and still admires." said Boileau subsequently. The dispute was ended, and in spite of the judgment of the Academy, the Cardinal did not come out of it victorious. His anger, however, had ceased. The Duchess of Aiguillon, his niece, accepted the dedication of the Cid. When Horace appeared in sixteen thirty nine, the dedicatory epistle addressed to the cardinal proved that Corneille read his works to him beforehand. The cabal appeared for a while on the point of making head again. Horace, condemned by the Decenvirs, was acquitted by the people, said Corneille. The same year, Cinna came to give the finishing touch to the reputation of the great poet. To the persecuted cid, the Cinna owed its birth corneille had withdrawn to the obscurity which suited the simplicity of his habits the cardinal it was said had helped him to get married he had no longer to defend his works their fame was amply sufficient henceforth corneille walks freely by himself and in the strength of his own powers the circle of his ideas grows larger his style grows loftier and stronger together with his thoughts and purer perhaps without his dreaming of it a more correct a more precise expression comes to him evoked by greater clearness in idea greater fixity of sentiment genius with the mastery of means seeks new outlets corneille writes polyeucte corneille et son temps, by m it was a second revolution, accomplished for the upsetting of received ideas, at a time when paganism was to such an extent master of the theatre that, in the midst of an allegory of the seventeenth century, alluding to Gustavus Adolphus and the wars of religion, Richelieu and Desmarais, in the heroic comedy of Europe, dared not mention the name of God, save in the plural. Corneille read his piece at the Hôtel Rambouillet, quote, it was applauded to the extent demanded by propriety and the reputation already achieved by the author says fontenelle but some days afterwards m de voiture went to call upon m corneille and took a very delicate way of telling him that polyeucte had not been so successful as he supposed that the christianism had been extremely displeasing the story is adds voltaire that all the Hôtel-Rambouillet, and especially the Bishop of Vence, Godot, condemned the attempt of Polyeuct to overthrow idols. Corneille, in alarm, would have withdrawn the piece from the hands of the comedians who were learning it, and he only left it on the assurance of one of the comedians, who did not play in it because he was too bad an actor. Posterity has justified the poor comedian against the Hôtel-Rambouillet. Amongst so many of Corneille's masterpieces, it has ever given a place apart to Polyeuct. Neither the saint Genet of Autroux nor the Zaire of Voltaire, in spite of their various beauties, have dethroned Polyect. In fame, as well as in date, it remains the first of the few pieces in which Christianism appeared to gain applause upon the French classic stage. Richelieu was no longer there to lay his commands upon the court and upon the world. He was dead without having been forgiven by Corneille. Quote, of our great cardinal let men speak as they will by me in prose or verse they shall not be withstood he did me too much good for me to say him ill he did me too much ill for me to say him good the great literary movement of the seventeenth century had begun it had no longer any need of a protector it was destined to grow up alone during twenty years amidst troubles at home and wars abroad to flourish all at once with incomparable splendor under the reign and around the throne of louis the fourteenth cardinal richelieu however had the honor of protecting its birth he had taken personal pleasure in it he had comprehended its importance and beauty he had desired to serve it whilst taking the direction of it let us end as we began with the judgment of la bruyere Quote, compare yourselves if you dare with the great richelieu you men devoted to fortune, you who say that you know nothing, that you have read nothing, that you will read nothing. Learn that Cardinal Richelieu did know, did read. I say not that he had no estrangement from men of letters, but that he loved them, caressed them, favoured them, and that he contrived privileges for them, that he appointed pensions for them, that he united them in a celebrated body, and that he made of them the French Academy." Quote. The Academy, the Sorbonne, the Botanic Gardens, or Jardin des Plantes, the King's Press have endured. The theatre has grown and been enriched by many masterpieces, the Press has become the most dreaded of powers. All the new forces that Richelieu created, or foresaw, have become developed without him, frequently in opposition to him and to the work of his whole life. His name has remained connected with the commencement of all these wonders, beneficial or disastrous, which he had grasped and presaged in a future happily concealed from his ken. End of section 37 End of chapter 42